grief isn't something that just disappears. It's something that you learn to live with and you can find the magic in your life again, even though you've been through these challenges and these adversities, whatever that is. I am your host, Jenny Diltz, and I'm the founder of Grieving Coach. I am a certified grief coach who specializes in helping people transform grief into growth. And I do this one conversation, one heart, one experience at a time. From my personal experiences with grief, I have learned to lean in, ask questions, and reflect with gratitude on the lessons I've received from grief. And now I use this pattern to help my clients transform their grief from foe into friend. If you'd like to explore this further, send me an email at jen at grievingcoach.com or visit my website at grievingcoach.com. My guest this afternoon is Sharna Southern. Sharna Southern is a pregnancy loss coach and self-healing spiral practitioner. She is also a beautiful mom to a toddler and her rainbow baby, as well as a loving wife and business owner with her husband. After experiencing her own pregnancy loss in 2017, she followed her heart and soul into business to help guide and support women through pregnancy loss. Sharna also founded the Institute of Healing through pregnancy loss. Sharna firmly believes that our adversity gives us an opportunity to grow. For our soul to grow, it allows us to shed all that isn't serving us in our life, to reconnect to our heart and soul, and build a life that serves us on a holistic level. It's a chance to develop ourselves, grow and reprioritize things in our life so that we are living aligned to our core values. Have you been wanting to make a difference in the lives of women or men who have experienced pregnancy loss? because you can see so many suffering in silence, but you just don't know how. The Pregnancy Loss Practitioner Certification is a worldwide, one-of-a-kind program that gives you proven methods designed for healthcare professionals, medical staff, midwives, nurses, doulas, birth workers, coaches, and angel parents alike. One in four pregnancies will result in miscarriage. One in eight women will experience infertility. One in 100 women will experience recurrent miscarriage, and one in 160 births will end in stillbirth. There is a lot of women with unhealed trauma, and there is a huge gap in the current support system when it comes to bereaved parents' recovery after loss. There are too many women and men suffering in silence. The Pregnancy Loss Practitioner Certification is bridging that gap. It will give you a proven support structure to follow and education specific to pregnancy loss created by a loss mum. It is creating more education specifically for loss so that you can enhance your service and become the point of difference. Or you can create the support that you so desperately needed in your healing after loss. This is the next level of growth and expansion you have been looking for. Does this sound like something that you have been searching for? Let's explore this more together. You can head to the episode show notes to find the application or direct message me on Instagram and let's open up the conversation in how you can use this education. You have a gift and I look forward to supporting you and witnessing you bring your gift to the world, healing and transforming women's lives. Sharna, thank you so much for being with us here today. Thank you so much for having me and having me in your space. (laughs) I love your passion and the work that you're doing to help others find magic in their lives after pregnancy loss. Yeah, it's, um, 
what I found after my own loss was everything that I believed to be true in my life beforehand was ripped out from underneath me. And I kind of thought at that point, I was like, well, what the hell am I doing here now? Like, what is the meaning of my life anymore? Mm-hmm. And I was able to, you know, reconnect, re like reevaluate and reassess my life and then reconnect to what my life meant now moving forward with the grief in it. Mm-hmm. Because grief isn't something that just disappears. It's something that you learn to live with and you can find the magic in your life again, even though you've been through these challenges and these adversities, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. But for me in particular, like pregnancy loss was something that I never, I never even knew about before experiencing it myself. So it was a huge, a huge shock to the system and literally just turned my world upside down. But I was able to to find meaning in my life again. I was able to find the magic in my life again. And I know that other women are searching for that mm-hmm. and are wanting that for themselves as well. Because if I wanted it, there's other women out there as well that want it too. And I want to be able to support women and guide women to finding that, to being able to move through their grief, embrace their story, embrace the emotions and embrace everything that sort of came along with their experience and find their magic, reconnect to what it is, what that means and what it looks like. That's amazing. Where can people find you? Um, So I have a website. It's just um, www.sharnasalvin, with an A-N, dot com. And also on Instagram, the Institute of Healing. So it's just, the handle is just Institute of Healing underscore PL. My Instagram page is essentially an extension of everything that I believe I find value in Mm -hmm. and that will help people on their journey to educate, bring awareness, um, bring tools in their healing and I'm very much a firm believer of being proactive in your healing not just sort of sitting idly by and waiting for something to happen waiting for something to change Mm -hmm. I am very much if you want to heal you say yes to yourself and you start taking those steps towards changing your life but being a Um, not being a bystander in your life, actually being an active member in your journey and being proactive, taking those steps, putting your hand up and actually following through and implementing things that, you know, I share or if you're a client of mine, you know, the time that we spend together, really embracing everything that is is shared. and being open to the possibilities of it actually transforming your life. Because I know it's everything that I needed when I was healing. It's everything I kind of created out of my own healing. Right. So every one of my clients that I've been able to walk through those same steps as what I went through, but actually giving them tools that they can integrate into their day to help empower them and help give them confidence was able to really make the difference um, Mm. in them having and like a long lasting and ever evolving healing journey it's not just when they finished their time with me they're like the transformation stopped like they've been able to keep going and keep evolving and keep growing after our time finished with everything that we had gone through and everything all the tools that we've uh, that we had discussed so essentially I want to share as much as I can on my social media and on my website for women to gain that sort of free value but obviously then I do have the the programs that I walk my clients through and really have that high touch sort of trans like opportunity for transformation mm-hmm. Wonderful. Yeah. 
can you tell us a little bit about your story so that we know where you're coming from? Yeah, so um, I always knew I wanted to have children mm -hmm. and I'm one of four, like in my family. So, you know, we're a very close family. I always wanted that for myself, but I knew I didn't want, obviously I didn't want four kids because being one of four, I was like, I don't want to have like a huge family, but I at least wanted one or two. Uh -huh. And I always thought that falling pregnant was easy because in school you're told, you know, don't wear a condom. If you don't wear a condom, you'll fall pregnant. So I was like, okay, cool. In my 20s, though, I felt very immature in a sense. I wanted to spend a lot of time on me, which then when I actually was trying to fall pregnant, I thought that I was being punished for because we weren't falling pregnant. It took us five years of trying to conceive mm -hmm. to, to be able to fall pregnant. And we ended up seeing uh, fertility specialists and getting all the tests done that we thought when it was necessary in being able to you know fall pregnant so you know I turned 30 and I was like okay I'm ready now like I'm ready to start a family and it just didn't happen and I started to really question myself as a woman and you know I have that's what my body is designed for and it can't fall pregnant I'm like what's happening mm -hmm. so I had a lot of I started to have a lot of doubt in my capability as a woman. And then we, when we saw the fertility specialist, he gave us some medication to take to increase um, my eggs and increasing the fertility so that, you know, it made it easier for us to fall pregnant. Um, we did. We fell pregnant probably a month after starting the, the medication but I didn't actually know that I was pregnant until what I thought I was about 10 weeks. So because my period was so irregular, I just didn't think that I, like I just couldn't work out like if I was actually pregnant or not. Like, right. um, and I wasn't too, I wasn't, I did do like ovulation strips and stuff like that, but it was, I wasn't so like, regimented with it um so I still kind of didn't know and then the GP confirmed that we were pregnant we went to have our ultrasound and in the ultrasound appointment um the technician obviously was doing his thing and he after trying for a while he said I'm sorry there's no heartbeat and he said it looked the baby had measured at seven weeks um, I had absolutely no sign of losing it. I didn't know that that I, that had actually happened. And he went out and got a, a senior technician to try and confirm his sort of diagnosis. And the mm -hmm. senior technician didn't said the same thing. So, um, yeah, at that point, I think the... I just felt like the room just closing around me. I felt like everything just went silent and I was like the only person in the world. Um, my GP said to me that it takes about three weeks for the body to realise that the pregnancy isn't viable anymore. So mm -hmm. being that I thought that I was about 10 weeks and the baby had passed at seven, there was that three-week gap and she's like, you're pretty much like you'll go home and you'll naturally start to um, miscarry. And so they just sent us home within a couple of days. So I think the waiting period, the waiting for just it all to happen and not knowing what to expect um, was, was horrible. And, you know, within a couple of days it started, I started to uh, bleed and I was, mm. I was like, okay, well, this is it. This is, it's happening. Like, and then I was thinking like, is this the end? Like, does this mean like she goes, it was just like a, it should be just like a heavy period. So I was like, okay, well, this is a heavy period. Does this mean like I bled for a little bit and does this mean it's finished and I'm done? 
Um, it lasted the entire weekend and I ended up losing a lot of blood to the point I was passing out just to stand up to go to the bathroom. And on the last day, I started experiencing contractions. So I didn't actually, I didn't know that even that was a thing like that I would be experiencing either. Mm-hmm. So, um, so I waited the whole weekend to see the GP again on Monday. And when I called, when I got into the doctors, like I couldn't walk, I physically couldn't stand up and they immediately called the ambulance to take me to hospital, which our, for us, our hospital that deals with like pregnancies and stuff like that is like 45 minutes away. And because I was experiencing contractions, I didn't have any pain relief at home. Um, obviously that was strong enough to help with that. I had Panadol, like paracetamol, and that was it. Mm-hmm. So they rushed me up to hospital and they had a, they had a look at me up there. They said that we have to do our DNC because your body's not going to stop, um, stop the process naturally. Like it's going to keep going and you're going to keep losing too much blood. So they rushed me in for surgery pretty much straight away um, within probably an hour of being at the hospital. And then I woke up in recovery. I was by myself, um, still kind of in shock with Mm -hmm. what had actually happened and sent home. And I was like, all right, now what? Like I got home and I'm like, now what do I do? Like there's nothing. Like I just had to wait for whatever was going to happen, like wait for my body to start to heal, wait for my mind to start to heal. Like like I was very aware because I lost my dad when I was 19, so I was very aware of grief mm-hmm. and how it presents itself and I was very aware of slipping back into depression because that's what I did when my dad passed away. Um, so I was, I was aware of my mental health, but I had to, but I didn't know, like, I didn't know how that was all going to play out after I got home. Cause I'd never heard of a mis- miscarriage. I'd never heard of pregnancy loss. I didn't know how grief was going to all sort of unfold in that type of situation because mm-hmm. it was so different to losing my dad. Like grief the grief of me losing my dad was different to me losing my baby because it was so much more personal because it was inside of me. And I felt like I personally failed Mm -hmm. my baby. I didn't feel that way with my dad. I didn't feel like I failed him at all. Like I just, I was just, I was sad and I was hurting. I was in pain, but this was just so, it was so different because I was, it, yeah, it was so personal. It was, it was my fault that it happened. And that was really, I think that thought alone was just so hard for me to wrap my head around because again, like I felt like my body had one job and it couldn't even do that right. Yeah. And then I'm like, does that mean I'm never going to have kids? Like I didn't know what it all meant for me then. So yeah, it was, it was pretty hard trying to, I don't know, trying to educate myself and grieve and do everything all at the same time when there's no information mm-hmm. apart from Google available to you. Yeah. That sounds like a tall order. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many rabbit holes you can get caught in. Mm-hmm. Like you can, you can, keep researching till you're black and blue but it really doesn't help you any if you're not paying attention to what's actually going on inside of you like for you you can externally do everything that you want and read as many things as you want but until you start to recognize what's actually happening it's um only a distraction it's only kind of going to be distracting you from actually healing and 
going through the motions of of grief and allowing it to happen. What helped you start to recognize, oh yeah, this is grief. This is what I'm going through. Um, I think because I'm just really being aware of the stages of grief, not that if they don't come in a line, like it's not like everything happens and it's just bang, 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 and then you're done. Mm-hmm. I feel like just being aware of grief and the stages of grief itself and knowing then being aware of how you are actually feeling because for so long I felt numb and in shock but then like because I knew that that was actually part of the grieving process I didn't rush myself out of it I didn't feel like I should be doing something or being somewhere or like putting pressure on myself Mm -hmm. to be a human because I'm like I can't I physically can't be a human like I just felt I couldn't feel anything I felt like I'd cried all of my tears and then I'm just I just felt like a sack of potatoes I'm like I can't feel anything like it was just that I just wanted to sit and and do nothing and feel nothing but I but allowing myself to know that that was part of my grief and to allow myself to just sit and feel nothing Mm -hmm. and not to feel like I should be crying or feel like I should be angry or I should be this or that. Mm -hmm. And then on days where I felt like resentment and anger and like just in these immense emotions, also knowing that that's part of the grieving process too, like, you know, it's part of the moving through the 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 experience. Mm-hmm. You're allowed to be angry. Yeah. Be angry. Don't shut that out because that's part of it too. And just to know that, and I, I see it a lot, I hear it a lot too. Women saying, you know, I'm angry and I don't want to be angry anymore and I'm shutting people out and I'm just reacting at them. But really understand why you're angry. Like just sit with that and be angry and that's and it's okay. Like punch a pillow or scream into a pillow or do something. Allow that to come out. Allow the anger to be released in a healthy environment. Like mm-hmm. obviously don't go and punch someone. Yeah. But... <laughs> um release it because anger and frustration and stuff like that is a an emotion that wants it's a it's an expressive like it needs to be released it's an outward emotion so finding something that's healthy for you to release that and to not bottle it up and not dismiss it because it's part of the grieving process Mm -hmm. and I think just like I think being aware of the stages allows you to, like each morning you wake up, you could be in a different stage of the grief, uh, the grieving process. It's not to say that you'll move through, um, you know, one stage and then you're done and then it goes to the next stage and then you're done and then the next. One day you'll wake up and you will be in denial that it all happens. You'll be in shock and you'll feel numb. The next day you could be, you know, in that bargaining stage and going, well, if I, if I just do this, like, can I have this? I, if I'm a good person, I will have this. And then one day you could go back to anger and it could be that you spend however long in anger. And then eventually, like, you do get to that acceptance stage but it's not to say that you'll never slip back into the other ones as well. Right. It's all just, you know, I still, I still grieve my dad and, you know, he passed away in 2003 and I still grieve my baby and it passed away in 2017. And 
at any one point I'll feel the grieving process all over again. Mm-hmm. And it could be any stage of it. But I think just to know what they are for yourself allows you to go, oh, okay, this is actually a thing. I can be, I'm allowed to be angry. I'm giving my, myself permission to be angry or I'm giving myself permission to be overwhelmed and feel helpless. But it's knowing also that there that isn't your forever place. Yeah. There are things, there are ways that you can get out of that and it doesn't have to be the be all and end all. You're there, that's fine. You can feel whatever you need to feel there, but you know that that's not where you stay. For people who have a difficult time tuning into their body and recognizing what they're experiencing or what they're feeling, what advice would you give? So I think one of the, it doesn't have to be a huge thing if in that moment you're overwhelmed. Just take take a step back from whatever you're doing. Take a moment and just ask yourself, like, what what is it that I'm feeling? And see if you can name just even one emotion or one sensation or something in your body. Because when you can start to recognize, just say, for example, like um, anger, if you are overwhelmed and you're feeling that anger rising up inside of you and, and you feel like you don't know kind of what it is, it's just, you're just overwhelmed with that sensation, just taking that step back, take a breath or take five and just notice what it was, like where, like what that sensation is in your body as well. Like how is that presenting in your body? And it could be a tightness in your chest or it could just be like an overwhelming feeling in your body that you just want to like do something and see if then if you can name what it is, like if it is anger and then look to understand what that anger means for you. Like how did it come, like what is what maybe triggered it and what does it mean? And it, could just be at the beginning it might not be that you get many answers Mm -hmm. but the more that you allow yourself just that little bit of space to step back and go well okay what happened what what was it that triggered me and it could be something that someone said and you go okay well they said that and it made me feel sad mm-hmm. you're like okay I feel sad why do I feel sad like what does that mean and then the more times you allow your you, yourself to give like to, to understand that the more the easier it will start to get and the more information that you will start to receive from your mind and from your body as well but it's also knowing that your emotion is going to present physically as well so how does it how has it presented in your body? You might just feel tightness in your chest and you don't know what's going on. Mm -hmm. So you start with that. You're like, I just feel tight in my chest. And you're like, okay, so what happened? And you're like, well, this happened. And then I started to feel this. And then you start to make that connection. Okay, well, that, that feeling, that emotion now is connected to what I feel in my body. And like I said, it could just be one thing. Like you just pick one thing out of out of it. And then all of a sudden, the more times you do it, the more information you'll start to get and receive from your mind and from your body because it knows now that it has a place that it can speak. But you have to allow the space for your body to speak. You can't just keep moving through your day and expect just to have the answers and understand things that are happening. You have to be able to just stop and take a step back. And even if it's a minute or two minutes, however much time you've got, Mm -hmm. just spend some time trying to figure out what it is that is actually that you're feeling and 
it may not make sense the first time and it may not make sense the second time, but it might start to make a bit more sense as you, as you give yourself space and time to do it. Do you find that like emotions like anger, does it present in your body the same way all the time or does it present in different ways depending on the circumstances? Yeah. Um, for me, it presents the same way every time. <laughs> Once I started to realize what it was, it was, for me, it's almost like an, it's an urge that my body just wants to move. And I'm like, I have to physically do something. So for me, once I realized that I was angry and how my body was responding, it was a similar presentation almost every time. So I'm like, oh, okay, I'm angry. <laughs> so yes, I need to physically, I like for me, I have to punch something. Like, so uh -huh. I would go and punch a pillow or, um, and that's why I use the example of screaming because I scream into a pillow too. Like, because sometimes it just has to come out somehow. Yeah. And however, obviously if you're out, you can't scream into a pillow, but finding something that can help you release that. But for me, it just, it does present sort of very much the same way every time once I was able to recognize and the same with anxiety. Like for me, anxiety presents in, it feels like it's my heart mm -hmm. and it, I feel like I can't breathe and I feel pain in my chest. So it's very much like the same thing every single time so I can almost immediately identify that I'm anxious and I need to take a step back and I need to understand what was it that caused my body then to feel anxious mm -hmm. and a lot of the time it was fear too like just the fear of something happening and that was also understanding how my anxiety would present was that anxiety lives in the future. So being able to go, yes, okay, that circumstance happened, but then my mind was going to, okay, this is how it could potentially happen again. Right. And making out this massive like scenario of how it would happen again. And what am I going to do the next time it happens and trying to like plan everything out in my head. And then I would get more more caught up inside of myself and in my anxiety mm -hmm. so it's being able to pull yourself out of that too and being able to go well hey I can't control the future I can only control myself now and understand what happened to me what happened to me now we can't control anything that happens to us externally so being able to really take our power back and understand what happened to us in that moment and yeah, like realizing how it's actually presenting to you in your body also will give you triggers of like, oh, hang on a second, I'm angry before you might actually react to something because you'll be able to stop yourself because you'll be like, oh, okay, this is actually happening. Mm -hmm. So it's like it gives your body a, a, a chance to pause and reassess. Oh, yeah, I know this feeling. I know what's happening. And mm -hmm. that gives your body like, like a, a pause button. Yeah, yeah. For it to yeah. reset and recalibrate. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Because you can start when you bring when you really start to become aware of how the feelings, the emotions present in you, then you can start to go. Oh, I can start to feel that building up, or you know, and yeah, you can put the push the pause button, take a step back. It could just be even if you're in a conversation with someone and someone says something, you have you do have the ability to change the way that the outcome happens. So being like, so taking a step, taking a step back and changing how you feel in your body. So, so starting to um, work out what that anger is and diffusing it and then being able to respond rather than react. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause then you can feel so guilty like you already feel so many different emotions and then you'll feel guilty on top of that because you've reacted in a way that potentially isn't you right? and isn't ideal. And then you walk away and you feel even worse about yourself than you did sort of going into something. Mm -hmm. 
So you've talked about a lot about emotions and feelings. What are they? Good question. <laughs> so um, emotions are essentially just energy. So everything in our world is energy. We are energy. To a cellular level, our bodies are just vibrating cells and energy. Essentially, your emotions are no different. They are just energy. And they're, they're your way of your body communicating with you that something isn't right, that something needs to be addressed and acknowledged. And essentially what our emotions are looking for is acknowledgement and to be released. They aren't looking for you to suppress them or dismiss them or distract yourself from feeling them or say, I'll deal with that later. Unfortunately, dealing with it later never comes. And what happens is your emotions will come back and they'll come back harder and the mm. the feeling that you'll get in your body the emotions are going to be so much more intense so allowing them to move through you and release them when they present themselves and that could be just if you're sad just cry like it could be anything that you feel you need to do in that time whatever that emotion is that's coming to you if you're sad, cry. If you're happy, be happy. Like if you have like a moment and you're, you're feeling the emotion and you're feeling happy, just be happy in that moment because that's what your body wants you to feel. If you're angry, be angry. If you're frustrated, be frustrated or resentful or anything. Like whatever it is that your body is telling you, it, whatever it's coming to you as in that moment, allow yourself to feel it and re- um even just to just to acknowledge that it's there because essentially when we don't, when we suppress the energy of emotions, we push them back inside of us and what happens is that energy then gets stuck and it will present in a physical form at some point in your lifetime. It will present as um, disease or discomfort and you will have like all of that emotional turmoil inside of your mind still, as well as physical ailments that will start presenting. Um, I know for myself, because I experienced depression, which meant that I was living in the past. It meant that I was, um, I wasn't acknowledging any of my emotions. I wanted to ignore them and I wanted to live as if, my life was normal and there was there was no grief yeah and I've had now since understanding how the like how emotions work and how they can present physically I've had a lower back problem since not that long after my dad passed away and now realizing I'm like grief and sadness can actually present um it can the energy can lodge anywhere but into your lower back or into your lungs and it can present as back pain or it can present as breathing problems so you know it's yeah it's been a bit of an eye-opener for me to understand mm-hmm. that the making the connection between some of things that I've been feeling physically back to when a time where I was I was ignoring myself and allowing myself to feel what I needed to feel. And I think with, um, you know, with our pregnancy loss, like I was able to allow myself to feel all of the emotions that came up for me, even the ones that I, I still hesitate to acknowledge because they're so horrible. But yeah. in those moments when you're in pain, you want people to know what your pain is like and I remember feeling like um I wanted other people to know I'm like when you have those pregnancy announcements I remember feeling oh you know I'm happy for you but in a way I'm like I hope that you know what I feel like and that's horrible 
mm-hmm. horrible thoughts that are definitely not usually my train of thought. Yeah. But I was in pain. and But I can look back now and I can love on that woman that was going through that because she was hurting and didn't know like any better you don't know any better when you're going through that you're just allowing yourself to do it Mm -hmm. and you know I acknowledge the things that came up for me like that even as horrible as they are but I know that it's part of it was part of my healing and it was part of my journey and um yeah it's not something that I I look back on and I want to suppress like I actually it's part of yeah it's part of my growth so the emotions that we've been talking about so far have been emotions that are typically seen as unpleasant or not favorable um what happens to positive emotions when they're suppressed I don't really know if we I don't know too many people that actually suppress Um, positive emotions but essentially it's still energy it's still the way that your body is communicating with you so even though yes sadness and grief they have a lower vibration so their energy balls are going to be a different vibration in your body which is going to then affect how that presents physically so Mm -hmm. depending on what type of emotion is suppressed if it's a lower vibration, it's going to produce something different. But essentially, emotions, like the positive emotions, they're still energy. They're a higher vibration, but they're still energy and it still can be lodged in your body somewhere and still present physically if it's not um, released or acknowledged. But I know, like, I mean, there probably is people out there who don't want obviously to feel happy when their happiness comes. So, um, yeah, it's, I mean, it's essentially the same principle. It's just a different vibration. So it will present differently. Mm-hmm. But it's, it is a hard when you're grieving and you do get the, the happy emotions and you're not really wanting to feel them, you will, you will suppress them and you will push them aside and tell yourself, you can't feel them. But then also what happens is it changes our body on a cellular level too. So the amount of energy, the amount of stuff that goes back in, regardless of if it's uh, sort of positive or negative, it does start to change our body on a cellular level and it changes the way that our body functions and sort of pulls things to it. It changes our vibration as a human. So everything that goes back in will change something, whether it's a physical um, something that you feel, whether it's back pain or whatever, or it will change the way that your cells function as well. So, yes, positive emotions probably won't be as, I guess, detrimental to your body as maybe what a a lower vibration one would be, Mm -hmm. but they still do have the capacity to change your body, to change the vibration of your body and what your body um, emits as a whole and, yeah, changing it on a cellular level and how your cells actually communicate with each other and how they function as well. So how can we allow ourselves and our bodies to experience the different vibrations of our emotions? Um, Just because, I mean, your body doesn't see your emotions as negative or positive. Mm -hmm. Your body just sees emotions as emotions. We have physically put them on a scale. So the lower vibration, higher vibration emotions, but to your body, it's just an emotion. It's just something that needs to be, felt and released so just really being present with yourself in whatever moment that you're in and allowing your body to feel what it needs to feel you will start to like negative like a negative 
vibrations you aren't going to if you're crying and you're grieving you're not going to keep attracting more of that in if you're able to move through it so you don't have to be telling yourself that you can't be sad feeling what it feels like to be sad and you'll feel the difference when you're happy and feeling what it feels like to be happy and to have those positive vibrations as well but essentially your body just wants you to to feel whatever it is that's coming to it whether it's um whether you think it's positive or negative your body doesn't see it that way your body just sees it as an emotion and just allowing yourself to be in the be present in that emotion really just lean into it understand it and know what it is that's actually coming to you and why it's coming to you like even if it is you know joy and happiness like allow yourself to be there and understand what it was that triggered that joy and happiness and how maybe can you trigger that more in your life how can you bring more of that in mm-hmm. if you know it was one thing you really enjoyed doing and it started to warm your heart and you started to feel happy how can you maybe bring more of that into your life but also know that the sadness is and the grief and the the uncomfortable emotions are just as much a part of your healing as the positive and the more comfortable ones are mm-hmm. um yeah and understanding you know that the happiness is allowed to be there and maybe how can you create more of it That's awesome. And as we start to heal, how can we reconnect to our magic? Yeah, so I think really the first step is being able to sit with your emotions, understand what they are and why they're coming to you, knowing that it's all part of your experience, not to to dismiss or ignore any of it. Once you can start to really sit with your emotions you can start to then really connect to who you are as a woman and starting to then connect to maybe just asking yourself like what it is like what are your core values I think with you know when I was going through my healing I had to really connect in to my core values because without any values I think we're kind of just floating through life when we don't have something that really grounds us and really makes us who we are like Mm -hmm. we're kind of just bouncing around in life so really just knowing what your what your values are as well so when you can you might only be able to think of maybe two or three and that's fine and start starting to really ask yourself are you living your life aligned to those values and what you do every day is it taking you in line with them or is it taking you away from them because I know for a lot of a lot of uh, I can't talk a lot of years I was I thought I was living aligned to my values and after my miscarriage I went through my values again and I was like you know what I'm not living aligned to my values and why aren't I? Because Mm -hmm. literally everything was taken away from me that I thought was what I had to do in my life. So I started to think about ways that I could live more aligned to my values and introduce those things into my life that lit that magic again, that really reignited something within me that made me want to keep going because otherwise yeah like I said it kind of your core values kind of ground you Mm -hmm. and keep you living the life that you want if you can ask yourself like those questions of like what are they and am I living aligned to them And that was how I was able to kind of reconnect to me, like what I wanted and the magic that I wanted in my life and start living, start living a life that I was happy to be living as hard as like everything had been in my life that I had gone through. 
I wanted to live a life that I knew that I was, I wouldn't regret anything. I was happy. I knew that everything that I did in my life was aligned to my values. And, you know, I can say to this day that I'm still living that way. Um, You know, family is a huge value of mine and just being able to, to be with my, my rainbow baby and spend the time with her, watching her grow and watching her milestone things that she, that she achieves. Like that is a huge value. And after my miscarriage, I was like, would I have been in the position to do that if I had have had that pregnancy go through? And I think, you know, I didn't, I didn't really, I wasn't connected to my values when I had my miscarriage. I still had in my mind that I needed to go back to a work environment that was toxic and earn money and, Mm -hmm. you know, do things that were out of alignment with who I was and causing me anxiety every day. But yeah, when, when you get thrown something that turns your world upside down, you really need to reconnect to who you are as a person, what it is, like your core values are Mm -hmm. and ask yourself, like, is what you're doing in your day-to-day life matching up to those values? And I think when you can start to really make those powerful decisions of like, no, really, I want to leave that job. I want to make myself happy. I want to be healthy, you know, whatever it is you start to really reconnect to that magic that you have within you and then you can create that life that you actually really want and that you'll look back and you'll be happy that you've lived. Mm -hmm. Looking back on everything that happened with your dad and with the miscarriage, would you trade it? No, not for the world because everything that I've been through has made me the person that I am today and has put in my path what I believe is my purpose here on earth and my dad taught me and he's still teaching me even after you know leaving us so long ago like he was only 49 when he passed away but he had crammed in that much in his life and set the bar for me as a parent that's why my values are so strong around family because I want to be there for my kids the way that he was there for us and I often thank my my angel baby for for coming into my life because it changed the trajectory of my life. Mm-hmm. I was I was unhappy in my life. I was unhappy in my job. And, you know, I was married, but we, I was coming home. I was bringing my work life home with me. And I was, I was crying because I was, you know, just upset with everything that was happening at work. And it starts to, um, it starts to really interfere with, like your relationship as well because you're not you're not in this really good mindset all of the time like you I was cranky I was angry when I'd come home from work and upset so you know and for so long I was like I need a way out of I need a way out of the job Mm -hmm. and we had our miscarriage and I knew that I knew I had a bigger purpose I knew what I had experienced with with grief and loss and especially pregnancy loss, that my experience was not in vain. Like it was going to be something bigger than me and I was going to be able to help more women um, like recover from pregnancy loss, move through their healing and be able to physically and mentally heal or continue healing throughout their life because I hear like healing is a forever journey it's mm-hmm. there's so many layers to it each time you heal one layer 
it's like an onion. It keeps late. It keeps, there's so many different layers and you just right. keep going through them and you cry and you do the, you go through the motions. But um, if I can give that space and the tools and my knowledge and my experience to women who have gone through pregnancy loss to be able to start their healing and continue their healing. Like I know that that's my biggest purpose here on earth. And I, I wouldn't trade any of my, any of the adversities that I've had. I wouldn't trade it for the world. You know, I, I was even, I was thinking, I was even, um, when, when you said that, I was like, I was in a bus accident too when I was in year 12, which my brother's friend passed away in. And, you know, that was, that was an experience in itself too. Like mm-hmm. I, totally different grieving process because, you know, I wasn't the one, it wasn't, it wasn't any of our family. It wasn't my friend, but I remember waking up in the bus when it was on its side and thinking that my whole entire family had passed away. Like my sister, my brother and my sisters, because they weren't, they were sitting up the front of the bus and I was down the back end. So, you know, that's just, you know, a different, a different layer of trauma, a different layer of grief that I had to go through to be able to process because I actually had thought that my family had died. Like, yeah. so it was a thing that I had to then be able to go through as well. And I feel like, you know, everything that has been put on my path has been there for my growth and there to make me the person that I am today to offer what I can mm-hmm. and know that I've actually been in a lot of positions where I have learned a lot about myself and about how, how you can see support yourself through going through all of these different things so amazing what's the best advice you would give somebody who's struggling to move forward after pregnancy loss just do what you have to do for you don't listen to what anyone else has to say um in terms of like where you should be how you should be feeling what you should be doing there's no shoulds in your healing you just have to be able to understand and recognize what you need mm-hmm. and do that if your grieving is taking longer than what people assume that it should be if it's been going for years like that's fine that's your process that's your journey if it's only just recent and you know you're in the thick of it like just allow yourself to be don't put pressure on yourself to move through things faster than what you feel like you should Mm -hmm. just allow yourself to be feeling what you're feeling and do what you need to do for you but also I think a huge thing is communication even if it's just with your partner communicate what it is that you're feeling and what it is that you need because your partner's grieving too and a lot of the time when the communication breaks down is because we're assuming that the person is going to be feeling a certain way. And then you start fighting uh, because you're not seeing eye to eye because their grieving process is different to yours. So keep the communication open as well and allow yourselves to express what it is that you're feeling to one another, but in a judgment free space, Mm -hmm. because you're, you only have really each other to lean on and it it should be, I think the only should is it should be that you do it together. Right. Um, and I see a lot, of, a lot of relationships break down because they feel like they can't talk to their partner or they assume that their partner is feeling a certain way. But no one actually asks each other like what it is that you're feeling and how you can support each other, what it Mm -hmm. is that that person needs and how they can support you. And it could be that you don't want to talk about it and that's fine, but you just need to communicate. You're like, I just need space. I I just want to be with myself or I want to talk about it. I want to be able to express everything that I'm feeling, but have that communication open between 
yourself and your partner because you're in it together. You're both grieving. You both need support and you can support each other through it. Whether it's recent or whether some time has passed, you can still revisit and open that communication because I know for my husband it was about six months after we experienced the loss that he um, opened up and said how hard it was for him. So, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be in that moment, but, you know, there's never, there's no right or wrong time to open up that communication just, just for you both to be open to it. That's wonderful advice. Mm. Is there anything else you'd like to share with us today? Just that you got, like, you know, your, you know, your body better than anyone else. So if you feel like, you feel like maybe you want to talk to a GP about something that wasn't right or that could have been done better or whatever, do that. If you feel like you don't want to see people, like you, you feel like that there are people around you that you don't want to have around you, set boundaries. It's okay to say no if you don't want to see someone or go to that event or whatever it is. Just really honour yourself and advocate for yourself. Like use use your voice Mm -hmm. because people don't know, people don't know what you're feeling if you can't tell them. Right. And the same with like, yeah, if it's... um, medical professionals as well you know they feel like they're probably done the best to their ability but they don't actually know because I'm sure a lot of women don't actually want to be going back to doctors and telling them you know how they were treated and how it could have been better or even just to get see if they could get answers like just don't be afraid to sort of use your voice and if you have questions ask questions and yeah if you need to set boundaries set boundaries say no to things that aren't going to be helping you heal Mm -hmm. um so yeah I think that's probably something too but just um yeah communicating because a lot of a lot of the time people don't know what you're feeling and that can go with family and friends too Right. You know, they don't know. They're not inside your mind. They can't. They can't know what you're thinking and feeling. So if you don't say it, if you don't tell them, they're going to assume as well that you are probably further along than what you actually are, mm-hmm. or that they don't need to support you anymore when you actually do need support still. So, yeah, just really um, sort of just being open with people. I think, yeah. We think we can re- read minds, but um, in reality, we can't really. <laughs> no, I know it would be nice <laughs> to some degree if you could be if you would be able to read minds, but yeah, no, we we have no ability to. Do that. <laughs> yeah. Awesome! Thank you so much, Sharna, for being with us and sharing your journey with us and how you transformed your life in the midst of and because of all of your adversities. Mm. Um, so if you're experiencing pregnancy ro- pregnancy loss, <laughs> reach out to Sharna. And where can people find you again? Yeah, so they can check out my website. It's sh- um, www.sharnasalvin.com. Uh, just .com, sorry. No way you. And on my Instagram, it's uh, Institute of Healing underscore PL. So, um, yeah, my business being the Institute of Healing through Pregnancy Loss. Um, So, yeah, like I said before, my social media is an extension of everything that I find valuable and educational in your healing. So absolutely feel free to check that out. And I have a lot of programs that I offer on my website as well as podcast interviews and but all the additional information that I share, like in those settings as well. So, um, yeah, feel free to check out my website as well for more 
more educational stuff that maybe you won't find on my social media. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoyed this, join us next time in our journey of exploring humanity one heart at a time. To learn more about what I do at Grieving Coach, visit my website, grievingcoach.com, and sign up for my email newsletter. I send out tips, publication, and upcoming events regularly. Until next time, remember that all of our experiences make us who we are, and that you are known and loved in more ways than you could ever imagine. Your voice matters, so share your story.